Amen. You may be seated. I want to go ahead and dismiss the youth group, 6th or 12th grade. If you're in here, want to go ahead and head upstairs, if you would, this morning. And, you know, as Pastor Daniel was reminding us, of course, that's why we celebrate Christmas, you know, uh, the coming uh, of our Lord to be with, with man. As he, was, as he was saying those words, which were 100% correct, the just popped in my brain as a, as a reminder. Yeah, he, as, as Daniel explained, he came as the most innocent of things as a baby, but it just popped into my brain. And he comes, when he comes a second time, he's going to be riding a white horse with fire in his eyes. So it's going to be a whole other story this time, right? But we celebrate Christmas. It's a great time of year. Uh, we have a few decorations up, if you hadn't noticed. Um, but uh, how many of you guys think that's pretty cool back there? Amen. Uh, just, you know, um, the decorations in the foyer and everything. My wife's not in here, but I just want to give a shout out to her. She does a great job. Thank you, Pastor Daniel, and everything for helping with this. So Christmas is, is here. With that being said, for, for the next three weeks, we, uh, we will examine the Christmas Story: The birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus. I I've never really done a series like this. We're, you know, we've done a lot of different series, different things when it comes to Christmas. But we're going to take the Christmas story, and we're going to read it this week. We're going to read out of Luke uh, chapter two. Next week, we're going to read out of Matthew, and then the following week on the twentieth, the Bridge Kids are going to come in here and they're going to bring it all together for us. So, so if, if you are confused at all, in the next two weeks, the Bridge Kids will come in here and they'll make it crystal clear for all of you of what the Christmas stories look like. And there may be a little, a few added things to it. You, I'm telling you, you really don't want to miss what we have, we have planned. Lord willing, Lord willing, it will all work. Amen? It'll be a great day. So that's, that's what's going to be going on. Uh, the Christmas story, as told by the Bridge Kids on the 20th. But we're going to dissect this a little bit in the next few weeks. We're going to uh, dive in a little deep in a few spots, dissect a few things, some things you may have known or didn't know, and, and really take a look at, at this Christmas story. But speaking of, of stories, listen to this one told by Nancy Mueller. She writes that, the Christmas season is one the Christmas season is one of my favorite times of year she writes. I always thought I did a pretty good job of celebrating celebrating it by putting up uh, by putting up lots of holiday decorations uh, throughout the house. But that was before I met my friend named Martha. I was amazed at how she magically transformed their entire home into a Christmas extravaganza. Everybody say Christmas extravaganza. I'm sure some of you have been to those homes, right, and seen the Christmas extravaganza. I think of my father-in-law's house in Spokane. He has a Christmas village that is by far one of the biggest I've ever seen. Multiple trains, ponds, ski hills, villages. I mean, it's as big as this platform long, and it's like two layers high. It has the stars, the whole thing. It's a Christmas extravaganza. We've all seen those, right? Our house is early, I, I, we're really going sidetrack here. Our, our house years ago, um, when Cindy and I first got married, 
She asked me to put up Christmas lights. By, by the way, it was the one and only time. <laughs> For all you men know, that, that takes skill. So I went out and I put up these Christmas lights and I decided on the front of the house I wanted to put this, I wanted to use the lights and make a Christmas star. And so I mapped it out, I stapled it all up, and it looked pretty good like a star on the side of the house. But then I lit it, I, I finally plugged it in, which you're supposed to do before you hang them. And only about half of the lights worked. I left it. That's why my wife had never asked me to do Christmas lights again. Because it was my Christmas light extravaganza. So back to our story. This, this lady, Martha, has this house all decked out. She goes on to say, I had no idea you could put so many garlands and ornaments and lights on a tree and still have it look good, let alone have it stand up. Everyone marveled at the wonderland that she created. One day, Martha told our friend Maureen the reason she went to, to such lengths to celebrate Christmas. She said it was because she had never, never really had much of one when she was growing up. In fact, she said her family had never had a Christmas tree. Maureen was deeply moved by Martha's uh, missing out on this childhood experience. She, she reached over and she touched, touched her lightly on the arm and, and she said, Oh, Martha, were you poor? And Martha looked at her puzzled, in a puzzled sort of way. Then she said, no, we were Jewish. <laughs> Stories. Stories can be fun, moving, heartwarming, confronting, convicting, and inspirational, just to name a few, few things that stories can do to each one of us. In my opinion, one of the greatest stories ever told, one of the greatest stories ever given to mankind is the Christmas story found in the Word of God. So we're going to pray this morning, and then we're going to turn to Luke chapter 2 and read the Christmas story according to Luke. Well, Father, I thank you for this time this morning. Uh, open our hearts, Lord. Soften our, our hearts. Open our minds um, to receive from you this morning, Lord. What the Christmas story, how it really uh, touches and impacts our lives, even in such a time as this. So we willingly come to receive what you have for each one of us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So Luke chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. And we're going to read through this. We're going to stop a little bit, talk about a few things, and, and go. And then in the end, there's some application, a little bit of response for us as born-again disciples of Jesus that, that we're going to look at. So we're going to do a little bit of a study and, and a few other things as we dive through this. So Luke chapter 2, verses 1 and 3. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, their empire, the whole enchilada, okay? This was the first census that took place while Cornelius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. 
Now the Roman Empire would take a census, it's documented, they found it through history, that they would generally take a census about every 14 years for the purpose of assessing uh, taxation and discovering those who would be eligible to serve in the military. That's why they would do it about every 14 years. And according to uh, Roman uh, rule that they wouldn't allow any Jewish people to serve in the military. So this census was purely for taxation purposes against uh, the Jewish people. How many like to say amen to that, right? Let's pay our taxes. So that's why they're taking the census of these people, and I'm sure they were all happy to do it. Nobody said amen. (laughs) All right, Luke chapter 2, verses 4 and 7. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, of the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. What does the scripture say about the the Messiah, the Savior? He will come from the lineage of David. Oh, so right here we're reading some prophecy that's about to be fulfilled. It's almost like God knows what he's doing. Amen? Amen? So he goes back, uh, and verse, verse 5, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married. Now, we, we have to understand something in this, this culture that we're reading about. Years ago, when I, I often will say this when I do wedding ceremonies, not everyone, but some of them I will, that when the announcement was made that a couple was getting married, when they would, when they would make the announcement uh, of, you know, there being uh, a fiancé, whatever that looks like, when they made that announcement, they would usually go to the, the steps of the church, to the temple, and they would make this announcement. They would say, uh, so-and-so is, is going to marry, pledge to get married. And in a sense, they were already bound in matrimony. And they would go, and what would happen, and if you know any of the parables, you know how this comes to play. So the bride would go home, and the groom would go back, because the bride would usually go live at the groom's, on the groom's property, because he would get his inheritance from his family. The groom would go back and begin to build his house. And when his house was ready, he would go get his bride. And his bride would never know when he was ready, so she would wait with her friends. Does that sound like a parable? So in a sense, they were already married. Okay, you got to hold on. They were pledged to be married, meaning they were really already bound in matrimony. Say, so who was pledged to be married to him and, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Okay, so this, this decree, this, this law, called for every adult male to return to his place of birth to be counted. Aren't you thankful today when they take a census, they don't make us go back to our place of birth to be counted? How many of you would have to travel very far to have that done? Uh, I'm surprised they don't make us do it because there would be a racket, wouldn't it? 
Okay, so he travels back to be counted. So Joseph, so Joseph, you know, when this decree comes out, when this, this law comes out, Joseph says, okay, no problem. He gets on his smartphone and he makes hotel reservations and he loaded up the minivan and away they went. Right? Of course not. But he did do this. He loaded up his nine-month pregnant pledged wife onto a donkey and he set off from Nazareth to Bethlehem about 80 miles. Now, I've never been pregnant. I know that's shocking to some of you. <laughs> but ladies, eight or nine months of pregnancy, how would you like it if your husband came up to you and said, hey, we're going to travel 80 miles. We got to go back. We got to be counted. And, and I got to the Trust the old donkey here. We're going to put you on it. And it's going to take about seven days to get there. Now, how many of you ladies are in? I don't see any hands going up. What's the problem? It can't be that difficult. You know why... We, you, oh, I'm in trouble. You know why women have babies, right? Because if, if men had baby, which babies, we would have tried that once and it had been done. There'd be three in the world. Some of you will get that later. So most of them believe it would have taken about seven days. This was a journey, people. This was an, an experience. This was, this was seven days of Joseph and Mary, she's pregnant, traveling 80 miles. He wasn't in a minivan. They weren't stopping every night, staying at, at the nicest motels, okay? Every night they had to set up camp, try to make her, just, just think about this journey alone. We can kind of get lost in the story and, oh, the Christmas story and how wonderful it is, you know, and it is wonderful, but certain things took place for all this to happen. So they arrive, and of course the hotel reservation's ready and booked, the mints on the pillow. Come on in, Joseph and Mary. Glad you're here. That's not what happened, right? We know that they arrived because the city had swelled, because the census, so many people had to go that, you know, there was no room anywhere, literally, for them to stay. So they find a manger, right? A manger. Now, we read that story, and it sounds so romantic and everything. Oh, a manger and the light and the star. I mean, how beautiful a setting. Really? A manger is for live animals. And what do live animals do in a manger generally? We'll stop there, but you get the point. Okay, just think of this. This is a great story. It's incredible what Jesus did for us. That's the whole point to this. So they get there. There's no place. They're, they're, they settle in a manger, a place where, where animals live. Uh, they have to bring their own food, their own bedding. Okay, the whole journey they require to bring all that with them. The only thing in the manger, of course, is the animals and fodder. How many of you know what fodder is? Chuck, you know what fodder is, right? Those of you that have fodder, it's straw. So there it is. And it was here that Mary went into labor and gave birth after traveling for seven days. No hospital bed, no nurse, no doctor, in a manger, on a bed of straw, a nervous husband, no doubt, 
And then the cry of a newborn baby, the king of kings. That's pretty awesome. So stop and let's just stop here for a minute. And hopefully I've gave you a good vision of this whole scene and what's really taking place on the first Christmas. It's pretty incredible. Let's go back to our scripture in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord, of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. Really? I just love those uh, four words, and they were terrified. Here they are minding their own business out in the field, watching their sheep like they do every night, and all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord lights up the whole place, hasn't said a word yet according to what we read, and it says they were terrified. Do you think so? How many of you would have been, I got this? <laughs> they were terrified. Again, Put your mind into this scene, you guys. Put it there. We can't just read this story and, and flippantly go through it. Yeah, the angels came, birth. Put yourself there. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Okay, it's all better now. <laughs> don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will, uh, you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host. Okay, if it's not just bad enough that one angel appears and lights a place up. Now, a great company. The sky is full of angels. A great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying. So this is an angelic choir going on in the middle of nowhere. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. So angels uh, appear with a great announcement. It's a great announcement, amen? A great announcement. So be, before we go any further, I, I would like to spend a minute looking at, at what, what are angels? Who, who are angels? Just real quick. Angels are created beings created for God's purpose. Angels are spiritual beings created by God who help carry out his work on earth. Now, and this may shock some of you, but if you are a born-again disciple of Jesus, when you pass away and you're instantly with the Lord, you do not become an angel. That is not scriptural. That's not what's going to happen to you. Okay? Angels are already created beings. They're already in place. In fact, you are a level above the angels, the Bible says. As if that matters. I, it may. I don't know. I, I haven't been to heaven yet. <laughs> so angels are spiritual beings created by God who help carry out his work on earth. They bring God's uh, message to, uh, to people. Like uh, in this whole Christmas story, we skipped the first part. What happened with Mary? First of all, uh, an angel appeared to Mary and said, you are chosen. And Mary accepts. The Bible says, you know, Mary's a little frightened. An angel appears, right? 
An angel appears. An angel appears to who? Joseph. Why does the angel appear to Joseph? Because his wife-to-be, who he hasn't slept with, is pregnant, and he's angry and upset. And the Bible says he wants to divorce her quietly. And an angel appears to him at night in a vision, in a dream, and tells him not to do it, and he's obedient, and he doesn't. And now angels appear to the shepherds announcing this great story. So God uses angels to carry out his messages to people. Angels protect God, they protect God's people, offer encouragement, give guidance, carry out punishment, patrol the earth, and fight uh, the forces of evil. And there are both good and bad angels, we know that, we can read about that in Revelation, but because bad angels are affiliated with the devil or Satan, they have a considerably less power now because they're limited on what they can do. They're known as demons. In the Christmas story, God sends angels because the conception and birth of Jesus are supernatural events beyond human logic. Okay, God sends an angel to Mary. If God wouldn't have sent an angel to Mary and said, you are chosen, and she accepted it, if, if God would have just said, I choose Mary, I'm not going to send an angel, I'm not going to tell her anything, uh, she knows she's a virgin, and she's going to be pregnant. Ladies, would that be a little shocking? <laughs> so he sends an angel because it's supernatural to tell her, to, to let her know. Because she, she said when the angel appeared to her, she said, How will this be, Lord? I have never been with a man. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And some people can't get past this part of the Christian faith because in their mind, in their logic, there's no way any lady anywhere can get pregnant without being with a man. To which I say, how big is your God for crying out loud? He can create heaven and earth by the word of his mouth. I think he can uh, cause a woman to be pregnant without it happening in a way that we think it has to happen. Amen? He's a great big God. Supernatural, uh, supernatural, uh, supernatural uh, human logic. How many men in here? would have been in the same place as Joseph was when he finds out. Remember Mary, when she found out she was going to conceive, she goes to her, um, her relative Elizabeth, and she's gone for six months. And then she comes back, and Joseph finds out she's pregnant, and she's been gone. Now, men, I don't know about you, I've been upset. He loves her, and he, and he decides in his heart, I'm, and remember, they're pledged because they really are married, but he's going to divorce her quietly. What could happen to a woman in that time if she was found to have committed adultery? She could have been stoned to death, according to the law. But an angel appears. Supernatural uh, things have to take place because it's beyond human logic. And now he sends angels as messengers to tell the world of the good news that the Savior, the King, has come, as prophesied. And what makes this message even, even more special, I think, is who the angels go and tell first. Shepherds. 
Not the religious leaders. Can you imagine the religious leaders, you know, just at the temple worshiping, you know, when the Messiah comes, he's going to come to the temple. If he's going to be born, I imagine he'll be born at the temple in the church. He's God. He's God. God's only in the church. Right? But so he's born and the angels don't go tell their religious leaders first, right? They don't go to the political leaders. They don't even go to the elders of the church. They go to the shepherds. God had a plan and a purpose for that. Shepherds were despised by the people of the day, right? They, they were unable to keep the details of the ceremonial law, the laws and the regulations, because they were with sheep. Sheep travel. They have to move sheep around to eat, so they were with their flocks. The flocks, the sheep, they made constant demands on them and kept them uh, somewhat isolated from the people, And because of this, they were looked down upon. They probably didn't smell so great. They probably didn't look so great, right? Because they, were, they slept and lived with sheep. Why would God send his angels to announce the Savior, the King of the, Lord, of the world? Uh, God in the flesh has come as prophesied. The first people that he tells outside of Joseph and Mary, he sends angels. He sends them to a field to, to tell shepherds. Do you think there's a significant reason why he did that, people? There is. This is a, another reason this story, I believe, is so awesome. God chose to tell the good news of the birth of his son Jesus first to simple men of the fields. It, it shows each of us that this message is for everyone, not for the rich, the powerful, or the popular, right? I can say amen to that. It's for all of us. It's for everyone. It's for all the people, as the angel said. It's for all the people. Let's turn back to our story now. And finish these verses. We're going to go through uh, 15 through 20. When the angels had left them, the shepherds, and gone into, into heaven. Isn't that cool? I like the way that the Bible says, tells us that. They left the shepherds and they, they went back into heaven. They went home. Hey, you guys. Can you imagine God, can you imagine God sitting on his throne? Hey, I want you angels. I want you to go down to earth right there and put on a little, a little gospel opera. Put on a little show, put on a choir, tell the shepherds that Jesus is there and then come back home. They, they go, they went back into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, so they get over their fear, they get over this, this whole angelic thing that's taken place, which I imagine I would have been standing there for days with my mouth wide open. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> Think about it, you guys. It's kind of a big deal. But they say this, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which 
were just as they had been told. It's a great story. It's a story that's still relevant for each and every one of us today. We generally only look at this story once a year and, and, and we read over it. But I want us to do something a little bit different. You see, it's in these last six verses that I just read that we find, I believe, how we should respond to the Christmas story as born-again disciples of Jesus. Because we can read it, we can, we can be in awe of it, we can, we, can, and we can stand back and go, man, this is just incredible. He sent the Savior to all the world. But we can read and, and apply and respond in such a way that we saw people in the story respond in such a time as this for us today. The Christmas story. As born-again disciples, our response, there's, uh, there's a few. Here they are. We're, we'll be done in just a few minutes. But shepherds, in that scriptures we just read, shepherds we saw, shepherds went to see. They went to see. Well, duh, Pastor Jay, the angels told it about them, and they went to see. How would they not go to see? How do we go and see? You see, they went to explore the news that they had heard. The angels did not tell, and think about this, what we know in scriptures, the angels did not tell, tell them or command them to go see. Now that we have sung this great song to you shepherds, now get up and go forth to the baby and see him. They didn't tell them anything. They just, they just told them the good news. And the, the shepherds in and of themselves said, this is awesome. We better go check this out. Not to mention they probably didn't have a whole lot to do anyway, Right? So they get up and they go, the Bible says they go to, to find this, this, this story that has been told. They decide to go and see to confirm what they, if what they have just been told is true. But here's the thing, church. You and I need to spend some time each Christmas to go and see. We do. We need to go and see ourselves. We need to be reminded. We need to go and see. Allow me to explain. We, we need to, to be reminded for the reason of the season. God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the savior of the world, sent him a, as a baby to live with us, to be with us. Sent him as an infant, humbled himself. God became man in the flesh, flesh, fully God, fully man, and came to be with us. We, we have to be careful that we just don't read over it. Oh, it's such a great story. No, it's God in the flesh came as a baby. You see, Christmas is about Jesus. We need to go and see the babe in the manger and not Santa at the mall. As fun as those things are, I get it, but we can't forget the reason for the season. It's about Jesus and what he did for us. The other way we should respond is shepherds, they spread the word. We see that in the scripture. They, they not only go, go and see, but then they begin to spread the word of what they saw. They, they, they go and see and then they go and tell everyone about what they had seen. 
Again, this is how we should respond as born-again disciples of Jesus. Spread the word. We get to spread the word as well. We, we, uh, see, we put on Christmas lights. Some people do better jobs than others. We, we put up Christmas lights. We, we wear Christmas sweaters. We, we give gifts, hopefully all done in the name of Jesus, right? As born again, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. There's nothing wrong with any of this. It's, it's beautiful, but it is all a way that we spread the word about Jesus. We should do it in Jesus' name. You need to make sure that our Christmas celebration is about him. And as you do, you will, you will spread the word, right? Merry Christmas, not happy holidays, or, more, or the one that drives me crazy, Merry Xmas. Merry Xmas, let's take Jesus right out of it, right? Chris, Christ, that's Jesus. Merry Christmas. May God be with you. God, Emmanuel, God in the flesh with you. Merry Christmas. It's about Jesus. Let the world see him in our celebration. Amen? Amen. Another way we should respond to this Christmas like we just read, Mary treasured and pondered. I just love both of those words. Just think for a minute again with me about this young woman. She was told by an angel that she was chosen to give birth to the Savior of the world as a virgin. Say what? She's a young lady, and this angel, like we talked about, comes and tells her that this is going to take place, and she accepts. God says, you have been chosen, and Mary says, may it be as you have said. So God has respect her person, and Mary says, okay. She rejoiced with her relative Elizabeth, who was said to be barren, um, but was six months pregnant. She was older. Elizabeth, she thought she'd never have a baby. And if you read that part of the story in Luke chapter 1, and it, God tells her, your, your cousin, your relative Elizabeth, is six months pregnant with John the Baptist to this day. And he says, for nothing is impossible for God. And the Bible says, when Mary arrived in the earshot of the, John the Baptist, the baby in Elizabeth, what does the Bible say? He leapt for joy. She's experienced that. She witnessed Joseph, her husband, to be worked through his anger and doubt through a visiting angel. Can you imagine the conversation those two had? Bible doesn't tell us, but I'm, I know any of you that have been married any length of time, that had to be awkward. She miraculously travels seven days and gives birth in a manger to, to have shepherds come and share their story of how angels came to tell them about the birth. What else could this young lady do to, at this point in her life but treasure it all up and ponder what has happened? Treasure. I did a little word study on this, this word treasure, and, and it actually, in this, the text that it's talking about, it means she hoarded. She hoarded it up. She took it all in. She treasured it all up. 
And she pondered, she thought upon these incredible things. Now, honestly, it should be no different for each one of us as we take a closer look at the Christmas story each year. As I said before, it's perhaps one of the greatest stories of all time. And how could we not treasure and ponder just like Mary, Mary at the wonders of God, right? Treasure and ponder the wonders, things of God, because nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. This leads to our last response shown this morning in our six verses. If I could have the worship team come up, that would be great. The shepherds glorified and praised God. That verse said, the shepherds returned, they went, the angels came, they saw them, they, they sang this angelic, I can't imagine the sound of it. So they leave, they go, and they see just as they were told. You can imagine the joy that was in them. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. And they had heard and seen a lot that night, hadn't they? Glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. This story is in in and of itself a great reason to glorify and praise God for giving us the greatest gift of all, the gift of grace. Because that's what Jesus is. He's a gift of grace. Jesus would grow as as a child, as a man. He would live to the age of 33 and then he'd be crucified on the cross, which he willingly did for us. He lived a perfect life. The Bible says no sin was found in him. He was a perfect sacrifice once and for all for the forgiveness of our sins. And we don't have to do anything for it other than ask, admit we're a sinner, ask him to come into our life and thank him for what he did on the cross. That is called grace, people. You can't earn or deserve it. It's called grace. It's the gift of grace. God gave the gift of his son and it's the gift of grace. That's why we give gifts. Because the greatest gift was given to us so we give gifts to others. I'd like to remind each of you as born-again disciples of Jesus that you have heard and seen much like the shepherds. You have heard and seen perhaps more. If we want to be honest with ourselves, you have heard and seen perhaps more than the shepherds have. Think about that for a minute. If you've been a part of this church for any length of time, you've heard my Jesus story of God snatched me out of darkness. You see, I think the greatest thing that any of us can really see or hear in this life is hearing and seeing and witnessing, not only when it happens to ourselves, when we become born-again disciples of Jesus, but hearing and seeing it happen to others. 
You see, that's the greatest gift for today. Seeing people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. I told you last week about my son. I got baptized. I Facebook stalked him and I found the church and sure enough, there it was. I got to watch him give his testimony and get baptized. And I wanted to be there, but I couldn't, but I got to watch it and I watched it. Yeah. And I watched it several times. I got to hear and see. Many of you have heard and seen as well. I've not only seen my own transformation from darkness to light, but I've seen, seen it happen to many of you as well. Have you chosen, as you have chosen to follow Jesus? And see, as we close up this, our time this morning, at the Christmas story, we're going to go kind of in another direction next week in Matthew, but as we close up this, this Christmas story this morning, and you really... Try to think and put yourself in each part, in each place of the story. And then you come to the end and you hear the angels, you hear about Mary treasuring and pondering all these incredible things that happened to her. And, and you know, it doesn't talk about Joseph, but I can just imagine Joseph just standing off to the side, just amazed at what's taken place. The shepherds come and they see all this. They tell everybody and it's just an incredible night. And then the Bible says they leave glorifying and praising God. How many of you think today that we should end our time together glorifying and praising God for this incredible story, for the birth of our Savior, our King of Kings this morning? Would you stand with me? I think this is the way. I, I just want to finish our time together and walk out of here rejoicing because of the things that we have heard and seen. So let's sing this song. Sing it out. As I, I, we sing it earlier and I just love to hear your voices. Every one of you pretend like you are in the angelic choir this morning. You're all angels. Some of you are angels. But some of you are the others. That's a joke. <laughs> God loves us. God sent his son for us. A great sacrifice was made in this story by Joseph, by Mary. To bring in the savior of the world. So let's praise and glorify him this morning and I'll come back and close in prayer. Pastor Daniel.
joyful all ye nations rise join the triumph of the skies with angelic hosts proclaim christ is born in bethlehem hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king hail the heaven-born prince of peace hail the son of righteousness light and life to all he brings risen with Heaven come. 
Let your glory reign, shining like the day, King of heaven come. Lord, we do. I do. I, I pray we do. We stand in awe this morning. Lord, as we, as we go and see the King of kings, the Savior of the world coming, humbly as a baby. May we not lose sight of that. As we go and see, Lord, may we go and tell as well. May we celebrate Christmas with the right reason, Lord, uh, with, with the idea of telling people about you, the story of Christmas as we celebrate with friends and family. May you be glorified in that. God, may we treasure it all up and ponder it in our, in our spirits, in our hearts as well, Lord. To not forget the incredible things that took place. And Lord, may we praise and glorify you always. We thank you for our time this morning. May you fill each one of us with a special joy this day. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Um, have a great week.